like this. But, you know, it's not a real horror film. It, it's yeah. like, you know, a classy horror film. Yeah, it, um, it's not a it's a cool mom. It's not a regular. Yeah. Mom. <laughs> recording remotely um, but this is the end of our November series where we are talking to our fellow horror lovers in the podcasting community we have two phenomenal guests that we're super big fans of and we love their work either in the podcast and also their written work all kinds of things that they're doing because their hands are all up in the horror world and they have great big brains <laughs> so we're gonna uh, invite them in we have Joe and Trace of the Horror Queers Hello. Hi, thank you for having us. Yes. <laughs> Big um, excitement. I love your phrasing of um we have our hands all up in the horror community. I just have like yeah, a visual I, of like I got a little worried there. <laughs> I won't tell anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> listeners who will get excited by that. <laughs> Excellent. Yes. <laughs> Same. Uh, yes, thank you so much. Um yeah, we're like I said, we're we're big fans i love your show um and, it, and it's also like a a fun thing because your show is also kind of like a thread through the horror community as well like when i find fellow horror lovers who like listen to podcasts it's like yours always comes up on that list of like what are they listening to they're like yay yeah, the yeah. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> that makes us feel good <laughs> <laughs> yes um yeah i just did a uh like a study for um about how horror is queer mm. um and it was like that was like one of the conversations and i was like the horror queers they have a whole podcast you had it uh so it's yeah it's great our whole point for this series was to you know invite people who are you know commentating and taking more like analytical looks at media you know it's it's totally fun to kind of just watch things and enjoy them but there's mm-hmm. also like you know really good nuggets when you're like really looking and you're like hey <laughs> wait a second this is saying this is something me. <laughs> yeah. there's more to this dumb film than i ever expected <laughs> yes um and that's in that there's exciting things for that and then there's also times when you're just like why didn't you do more? <laughs> you could have done better. Yeah, the missed opportunities is a phrase oft repeated on our show. Oh, <laughs> uh, so sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, oftentimes we just wonder, like, what could this have been were in someone else's hands? Or someone else was in that room saying, like, hey, maybe don't write that. Yeah. <laughs> maybe real people don't behave like that. Or, like, this is just a character trope. It's a, it's a combination, right, of, like, creator and studio and also time period, you know? Like, when we watch a movie from the 80s, we're like, well, this is really not great, but it's also the 80s. So it's like you have to, like, kind of, like, make that middle ground there and meet them halfway. Yeah. <laughs> people weren't making as much efforts to consult 
I find particularly like marginalized groups where they're like, oh, I've, I've got a black friend. I heard of a trans person one time. I'm going to write a whole movie about them. And you're just like, oh, God, no, please no. don't do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, please, yeah. Really think about it, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. We, I think we get that when we're even just talking about like 90s or early 2000s, where like, mm-hmm. oh, this was like colorblind time. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. When people thought, like, if we're making fun of everyone, then it's fair. You know? Yeah. We, we could, and it wasn't. It's fun, you know? It's just yeah. humor I, and comedy. I know. That's actually a good distinction, though, because I think, like, if you're looking at like, the 70s and 80s, it's like, it's just kind of ignorance. Whereas, though, yeah. like, there's something about like the late 90s, early 2000s, or even most of the 2000s where it's like it's almost like borderline mean it's not even ignorant it's like no you knew what you were doing you were just being a dick about it or you couldn't be bothered like yeah Yeah. we put usher into this film but we didn't give him jack shit to do definitely that where it's like we did the bare minimum so Mm -hmm. it's that excuses the rest of what we just did right (laughs) yeah i think uh it's sorry it's definitely defined by like what our uh what is it called where it's a tv but it's real reality tv is of the Mm -hmm. time where you have like the early 2000s is like everyone's mean you have like the What is it called? All those shows on MTV where, like, they were all just... The whole thing was them just being awful to each other. And then you have, like, reality TV now where everyone's voted up if they're, like, really nice. I don't yeah, know if anyone's yeah. seen The Circle, but it's, like, if if you oh, get God, if you're yeah. nice to each other, then it's, like, oh, then you win. So it's, like, the well, culture shift has changed in that way. Yeah, it's it, I always think, like, Big Brother when it's, like, the ones that blend in, they're the ones that get voted out first because... People are like, no, that's like that's the strategy. That's this. It's also not good TV, right? You don't want people yeah. to blend in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Um, so for our listeners, uh, I will do a brief introduction from what we found online of you all, <laughs> and then I'm going to uh, extend uh, the question of you all, kind of explaining what you do um, and what people will find if they tune in. So. Um, Every week, Joe Lipset and Trace Thurman tackle a horror film with LGBTQ plus themes, high camp qu- quotient, or both. For these lifelong queer horror fans, there's as much value in serious discussions about representation as there is in reading a ridiculously silly fun horror film with a yes queen mentality. Just know that at no point we'll be getting Baba Shook. <laughs> Which is my favorite <laughs> <Super> thing. <fun. laughs> Oh, gosh. I remember when we tried to put that in in every episode, and then we were like, okay, we need to cut this down. That's like yeah. 40 <laughs> seconds, and trying to say the word well, quotient every week is like, no, get rid of it, that. It's I think it's because people, because like, we'll have guests on, and we'll have a movie, and then people are like, oh, well, that's not really queer. It's like, yeah, but like, the movie doesn't have to be queer for us to cover it. Like, we're bringing the queerness in. But if we can find something queer about it, by all means, like, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> agreed, totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess we kind of get that too, just in the realms of like horror, because we don't do just horror. We do right. other, like we covered her, right? But it was more uh, like okay. the horror yeah. of that topic. Like, right. you know, like, what is the horror of, you know, having a girlfriend that's AI? Like, what does yeah. it really say about us as people? So like, we get, we get similar things where it's just like, oh, it's just... It's, no, it's I, in the vein. I, no, I, I think that works though, right? Where it's like the, the film itself may not be classified as horror, but like the subject matter is kind of horrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, agreed. Um, well, why don't you tell our, our viewers and listeners a bit more about you two, um, when and where they can hear you, and what they should find when they listen? 
Okay. Trace always <laughs> kicks us over to me, so. Uh, He's yeah. really good at this. <laughs> <laughs> so, Horror Queers, it began as an editorial series on Bloody Disgusting, and then over the course of a year, we decided we were going to turn it into a podcast form, and then we kind of slowly phased out the editorials because we found that people just gravitated to the podcast a lot more, and it allowed us a greater flexibility to actually bounce off of each other. Mm-hmm. So, um I think the main thing is that, you know, the podcast comes out once a week. As Trace said, we try to do queer-based films, but a lot of the time we find interesting avenues. Like, we're really interested in the intersectionality of different types of films, uh, and we like to bring on guests that will complement the fact that we are two bitchy white gay dudes. So, uh, you know, we like to bring on women and uh, marginalized people so that they can round out our discussion. And then, yeah, depending on the film, we'll... uh, Sometimes we read it to Phil, sometimes we laud it, but a lot of the times we find really interesting avenues that we didn't expect until we do the deep dive. Well, and I think, too, like, I'm trying to think of an example of something recent, like an episode that we've done recently. Like, you know, like we, we just did William Friedkin's Cruising, which is a very explicitly queer film. Yeah. But then we also have, like, uh, this week, so this episode comes out on Tuesday. So, yeah, this week we're doing um, Candyman 2, which may not have a lot of queer content, but the director himself is Bill Condon, who's a gay man. So we, mm-hmm. we've also gotten really into looking at queer creators who are making non-queer horror films and how, even Hocus Pocus we did recently, because that's a gay director. Yeah. Um, um, and how they can inject their queerness into the film where it may not be like something your average viewer would pick up. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's so really great. cool. <laughs> yeah, we we have a um, an upcut. So our it's funny. So our next series after this, so starting in December, is our uh, queer horror um, series. So we'll do oh, four wow. different um, specifically like looking at horror that's queer. Um, mm-hmm. And we cover Thelma. And as like part of like our research was, was like we were looking on Bloody Disgusting and found your conversation yeah. about it. And I was just like, yes, I'm not the only one who feels this way. Yeah. <laughs> It's such a weird film. Like, I I love that film because it's so complicated. Like, Mm -hmm. there's almost something more interesting to talk about films that try and don't quite succeed. Because I know people who love that film. They think it's a a perfect queer horror film. And I find so many things just get under my skin. And I think, yeah, like, it's a great example of a queer horror film that's trying, not getting everything right, but I want to see more films like that, which are actually being audacious and risky. Yeah, I think we have that same feeling with um, Spiral. Where oh, like, yeah. Oh, so there's so much here. There's, like, such potential, and it was so great. And then it was, like, it, it spiraled out. <laughs> we were like, wait, hold on. Yeah, it Spiral's an interesting beast, too, though, because... So one of the writers in that film is Colin Minahan, who... Uh, wrote and directed. He definitely directed, but um, what yeah. keeps you alive, which is a, yeah. les- a lesbian horror film. But you could argue, oh well, like he- there were no real like real queer people like on hand to do this. And with Spiral, he actually did bring on a queer co-writer. So and you and you can feel that in the film. Like, I like both those films, but you can see a difference in yeah. how much the queerness is like involved in the plot of the film and the characters themselves. Yeah, it feels like he took a note. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, what keeps you alive didn't have uh, yeah, like he wrote it like as if it was a guy and a girl like he didn't yeah, write yeah. it as if it was intentionally two women who were in love yeah yeah exactly 
Yeah. And it's like, there's, you know, benefits to that. Cause it was like a, a great story. Um, and it's nice to just kind of see characters, right? Like, and <laughs> yeah. not have it be like, Hey, look at us. We're doing this thing. Yeah. Um, but it's also like, you, you do kind of miss, uh, like misrepresent or just like don't give them enough credit by it, making them fully that. <laughs> it's funny because I, I I mean, and this may be a controversial statement, but I always feel like you're not going to please. I mean, I, no, it's true. You're not going to please everybody because here's the thing. If you have a movie like What Keeps You Alive where like their queerness is just part of it, but it's not really like their struggles aren't about their queerness. That's really good. But then there are some people that are like, well, you're not really doing anything with this. So that's a problem. Yeah. Um I do understand both sides of it, but yeah, at the same time, like, I think because Joe and I are covering so many, like, films, because so many films where queerness is so, so front and center, it's, it is sometimes nice to have it be like, oh, um, they are queer and that's it, but that's not, like, like, well, we just did The Craft Legacy, you know, and there's a trans character on that, but, like, this girl's struggle isn't about her being trans. It's There's, like, yeah. a throwaway line where she's like, oh, I'm trans, that's it. Yeah. But she's also not, like, a very fleshed out character where you think, right. okay, well, is that the trade-off? Like, is, you know, normalcy, quote-unquote, means that we don't get that kind of rich interior lives of some of these characters. And I think part of it is just we're finding this with all, basically all non-white heterosexual stories. It We're so starved for good representation that it becomes challenging. Like, we want these films to do everything and and anything uh so when it isn't giving us everything we're like okay well spiral could have been great but you know it basically had to carry the weight of all of these like queer yeah. expectations yeah mm-hmm. yeah but it definitely is like that because it's like if we had more right then we can have those like flops and just be like i like it because like it's camp and it's you know it's horror it's fun and i can have fun with it because there's not the stress of like finally oh my god characters yeah <laughs> yeah if i had a nickel though for every time like we get comments or even i see comments on blood disgusting that are like Ugh, can we just have a fun horror movie like i don't want political things in oh my, my horror god. movies get and it's just like here. i don't uh, i mean i get it but <laughs> That's where the whole elevated horror thing came from, where I was like, like, that's not (laughs) the most privileged thing you could say about horror. It's like, the whole thing is that. Yeah, right? And it's also like, I mean, okay, cool. So people are acting like, I don't like using the term elevated horror. It's just a horror movie that maybe is like, it's not like, what? I don't even know. But like, you could even say like, okay, well, cool. Like something like Don't Look Now, something like The Exorcist. Like if you're going to like, like that could all be termed elevated horror, yeah, quote unquote. Prestige. Like, presti- pre- there you go. I think that's a better way of putting it, honestly. I think prestige is better because it's clearly like has higher aspirations than just like, I don't know, your standard 80s slasher film. Yeah, but it's such, it's such a read, right? Like, I find it often comes from people who don't actually like horror films right. that much or who aren't oh, yeah. involved in the horror world. Not to say always, because we do still encounter it among the folks within the community, but I just think it, it diminishes the idea of what horror can be because then horror just becomes this one big amalgamous blob. And you're like, no, there's all these different subgenres. It's easily the most malleable and fluid of the genres. Like, And yeah, I mean, when people try to take the political aspect out of it, I think they're often misrepresenting what the genre is capable of. It's the most progressive genre in the biz. 
Well, I think it's also a combination. You're right, Joe, what you were hitting at earlier. It's people that don't like horror that like it's like if you call it elevator horror, it's like a way for them to excuse themselves. Like, oh, exactly. I like this. But, you know, it's not a real horror film. It, it's yeah. like, you know, a classy horror film. Yeah, it, um, it's not a it's a cool mom. It's not a regular. Yeah. Mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, we we definitely get that a lot where, you know, because a lot of our shows is just about um, like we talk about the films but really we're talking about the the core concept of it so we're mm-hmm. just like okay we're we're covering you know snowpiercer and parasite but we're talking about the horrors of classism right but yeah whenever we have those like conversations people are like wait horror is this mm-hmm. like zombies are actually you know about consumerism like you know like, well, and you're like yeah it's fascinating right though because yeah like what you're saying like it, it's just a malleable flexible genre and so that's why honestly it's much like how like the queer community like kind of queer is like that umbrella for all the letters of that anagram for me calling something a genre film like when people are like oh that's not really horror i'm like okay i don't want to get into talk about like whether jaws or seven is horror or not they all fall under this genre umbrella for me so it mm-hmm. counts and i i what i find so fascinating about this genre is that there is a community built around it, right? Like, the fan base is so vocal. They're so connected. They also fight a lot, and they're also sometimes petty. <laughs> but then they're also sometimes great. But you don't, you don't see that with any other film genre. Like, there's no romantic comedy community. There's no... Oh, my <laughs> God. You don't know, Trace. You don't know. Yeah, no, you don't know. <laughs> but, I mean, like... <laughs> but I love romantic comedies. I mean, maybe there is, like, a rom-com on Twitter that I'm missing out on, which, oh, my God, I need to go see if that. If there is, everyone let us know. <laughs> But it's, 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 you know, you don't see that with any other film genre, really. And I yeah. listen, y'all's listeners, I apologize if y'all disagree. Shoot, shoot come at me on Twitter. <laughs> he loves to fight, so really, come at him. <laughs> think um that horror because it's like in its own little fringe kind of mm-hmm. area on the offset it's not really being patrolled in the same way like i feel like we just kind of are in the shadows and yeah. so we get away with saying a lot more yeah we can like put it all out there because only we're gonna see it you know <laughs> like mm-hmm. only the people who want to see it are gonna see it mm-hmm. um and there's like uh i I don't want to say, like, snootiness. <laughs> no, <laughs> say it, say it. You're right. You're 100% right. Like, this is, like, when you're in here, you're like, no. Like, you, you just don't get it. <laughs> like, you kind of do feel like you're a little bit... Well, well then you're like, going into gatekeeping a little bit, too, right? Yeah. Where it's like... Cause, because also, like, because horror itself is kind of like the bastard redhead stepchild of the film world people that are very protective of it. And so mm-hmm. they're like, oh, I, I grew up, like, you know, since I was 10, watching all these movies. I know the latest obscure horror film, like, from, like, 1972 that you've never heard of. So you can't be in this cool kids club because when I was growing up, I was not in the cool kids club because I thought people thought I was weird for liking horror. So it's this weird, like, developmental thing where it's like, okay, well, now some of us have become the bullies of wanting to keep people out of this really awesome community. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of saying, like, there's something for everyone. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. To, I think to the point where we've we've tried to make deliberate efforts, like, we have a Facebook group, and our group is actually really, really great, but every once in a while, somebody will pop in and be like, I'm watching this movie for the first time. Has anybody else ever seen it? And they're talking about The Exorcist or Scream. <laughs> and you're like, oh, <sighs> yes, we absolutely have. But... Part of it is just reframing your brain a little bit to be like, instead of saying like, oh my God, how have you not seen that before? What the fuck have you been doing with your life? You switch it and you say, that's so exciting for you. Yeah. Report back. Tell us everything about, you know, what that experience was like. So I think part of it is 
we can be really mean to each other. And I mean, like a lot of things on the internet, we could just do with a little more kindness. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That was so wholesome. That's so real. <laughs> like, just like, cause that's so true. Like, that's totally how people should react. It should be like, oh, you don't know the end of the sixth sense? What a surprise and delight you're yeah. about to experience. Yeah, you're going to have like, such what? a delightful time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> whenever I so meet fun. someone that's like never seen a Scream film, I'm like, oh my God, like, can I show them to you, please? Can I please c- come over? Let them go be like, obviously pre pandemic, but like, please, like, let me show you all these movies <laughs> because I want to like watch you like experience this film so bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I love watching people yeah. watch films uh, to the mm-hmm. point where it's like people who are with me get like freaked out. They're like, "Can you watch the mo- movie? Why are you staring at me?" I'm like, "I know what's about to happen, <laughs> and I want to know how you'll react." Yes, <laughs> I mean, there's uh, there's like two forms of watching, right? It's you're watching the movie, but you're also watching the person watching the movie, waiting for their reactions. It's amazing. So I do this really annoying thing, especially in slashers, when it's like a whodunit quality, where like about like when the third act begins oh, i'll like God. pause the movie and ask my friend like okay who do you think's the killer <laughs> run down the list who's a red herring because i don't want them to be like after it happens after the reveal happens i don't want them to be like oh i knew that i'm like no 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 no. <laughs> i'm gonna check on you <laughs> it's really obnoxious it's the problem is, is trace has no poker face so no. if people get it right he's just like Brah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm just like this the whole time. <laughs> I love That's that face. <laughs> and I'm like, I know something's going to happen because she's looked over at me like 10 times faster. Like, you know, which is like, something's like, coming. Something's, something's coming. coming. Yes. <laughs> like, I guess. I'm just like, did you see that? Like, yes. <laughs> we're in the same room together. <laughs> I saw it before. Because, like, what if I don't react appropriately? (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, huh. And then she's like, that was the most intense moment for me. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I've literally paused it and made people rewatch if they don't react. Yeah. Did you miss this? Your reaction was way too muted. You didn't see it. That's so true. You clearly didn't see it. Oh, I didn't even think about that. It is added pressure, though, on, like, the friend who's watching the movie for the first time, right? Like, oh. Or, like, what if you don't like it, right? And you have to, like, sit there and be like, Oh, it was okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like opening presents in front of people. Yes. Oh, a scarf. It's warm. Oh, my God. Oh, oh my God. Another I'm homemade an sweater. Forever. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it's so true. Um, I always, like, when people, like, when we, you know, promote ourselves as, as horror, I'm always, like, people are always like, I don't like horror. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, that's not true. <laughs> just like what you think of horror is like a very specific thing. Like you think of slashers. 80 slashers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so you're wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, Let me is- convince you otherwise. I mean, and we discuss a lot, too, where it's like, you know, when people. Are, oh, what's a really scary movie? I'm even low to even say that anymore, because it's mm-hmm. like much like comedy. Scary is so subjective. And so, like, mm-hmm. you know, you can have someone walk into a movie like Hereditary and be like, oh, that was really boring. But yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, because oh, it wasn't scary because I'm like, okay, well, because what you're thinking of scary is like a bunch of jump scares. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then those same people are the ones that are complaining like, oh, I'm really tired of lazy jump scares. I wish someone could really get under my skin. I was like, okay, well, Hereditary is right fucking there. And, <laughs> yeah. but, but you think it's boring when it's just a really like dread-inducing film that is scary if you mm-hmm. were in that scenario. But because it's not going boo, you're not registering it as scary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 What's and weird... Oh, we keep doing this because of the delay. (laughs) 
Uh, <laughs> but what I was going to say, it's like, it's really weird that the, like, mainstream horror community that's like at conventions and stuff is all the people who are like the slashers and like who are like freddie jason and whatever and then you have yeah. like but they're the, the, the same people are like we don't like horror and it's like but the horror is so big how is there not just a convention that's like oh. bigger that like actually includes all these I will tell things. you my no my controversial opinion on that is though the people that are like oh like, new horror isn't as good I wish it was back to the classic shit and oh I'm like okay God. but you're also like lauding Friday the Thirteenth franchise which is a really fun franchise but as like high art and it's not <laughs> like those are not good movies you know but these like. <laughs> no. it, it's just so bizarre to me. But yeah, you're right. It, 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 I, I always liken to being a horror fan to being a drug addict where you're like always chasing like the high, uh, the oh, higher okay. high. <laughs> no, I'm glad you were able to like very quickly clarify that. No, because you know, when you, you're, because you're like, oh, I'm desensitized to scares, to violence, right. to whatever. So you're looking yeah. for the next extreme, something that'll mm-hmm. make you feel something, make you feel scary. Just like, again, when you're on like drugs. You are looking for something <laughs> that will make you alive. like higher as you get um what's a oh my god not adaptive what's it called oh as your tolerance builds up tolerance, that's, that's yeah. what it is. I actually find that that increasingly becomes it it becomes a problem too like now during the pandemic because they're just dropping content so quickly like I was trying to keep mm-hmm. up with October to the point where Trace and I developed a spreadsheet with <laughs> friends who were covering films being like okay everybody every time you get an email put a film in here because we can't keep track otherwise yeah. but it was a rush to like have you seen his house why haven't you seen it like you've got to see it before you get the ending ruined and it's like it came out yesterday <laughs> I need everybody to slow the roll and shut the fuck up i've got other plans today i can't get to his house yet (laughs) yes we had that same the same feeling because i mean we're doing this so it was like on top of the fact that like october we were so dedicated to like we're just going to chat with people like the films are kind of like on the back end right we already had our our films for December picked out, mm-hmm. so we're like, whatever. And October just came, and I was like, oh, this, this. I was like, I have not finished Haunting of Bly Manor. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, think, I think there were, what, like 70 horror films that came out in October? Like, it was, it was insane. Yeah, We haven't seen all of them, by any means. No, we, no. we haven't yeah. either. <laughs> I still have not seen his house. I, I haven't either! <laughs> it's really good! <laughs> Netflix, it's there. It's like the first trailer that possible. I'm like, stop. I yeah. know. Okay, I know. Yes. Thank you, Netflix. I don't need to be trolled by you. <laughs> yes. Yes. We have like a whole, like, we do spreadsheets, and I've just been putting in like films as I see. I'm like, oh, this is a good one. Here's what the theme is, or, you know, and it yeah. is like tripled in size yeah. this year. Yeah. Um, which I guess, you know, and I imagine it's going to get even like larger because of life is the horror. year that. Mm-hmm. Twenty has been that there's no doubt that we're going to get an influx of horror because there's so much content, well, <laughs> there's so much potential. And it's I always think like you know horror goes through phases, you know where it's like oh horror's in right now, horror is not in right now, and I do, and also with the quality of films, and you know this may be a bit of a generalization, but I always find that in times of political turmoil, like you tend to get better content from horror creators. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like. I do think that, like, during the Trump presidency, like, we got better horror because people were actually scared of their everyday lives. Whereas, you know, when Obama's presidency, you know, a lot of creators were more content. And so we were seeing maybe 
more lazy efforts than you would normally see. And that's, of course, not applying to every single film that came out during that time. Oh, for yeah, sure. Cover your ass, cover your ass. No, no, I know. But, 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 that, but I mean, that's just what I've observed. And but I think, though, um, even with the pandemic, you know, we're granted, of course, we're probably going to see a lot of pandemic movies. And the movie we're talking about today is very timely, given that that whole subject matter. Yeah. But I think we're going to see a lot of content come out, a lot of really good horror come out. Because, again, we're all like going crazy right now. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a lot of paranoid thrillers, I think, in mm-hmm. the near future. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that terrible, like, Maybe Michael so. Bay one coming out with AJ, what's his name? Kappa? AJ Kappa? Yeah, Riverdale guy. Oh. It's like a sound unseen or something. Uh, it's, I don't know. Uh, anyway. <laughs> no thanks. Yeah. No, I agree. I think there'll probably be some, like, home invasion. Mm. You know, yeah. Like that feeling of not you know, being safe in your own home or isolation. Yeah. It's even scarier because they could be bringing the virus in. Like, I feel like that's going to come yeah. into play. Like, it's not even just regular home invasion. It's like there is this whole other layer. Contagious the, home invasion. But then on the flip side, though, we're having like a slasher resurgence. Like we're having like, you know, we're having Scream 5. We're having a new mm-hmm. season of the slasher TV show. Seth Rogen's making us like a slasher meta horror mm-hmm. film called Video Nasty. Like, I... It, it's just bizarre, like the, the the ebbs and flows that all the subgenres of horror go through, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's and it's exciting. I, I get excited for any kinds. Um, I'd say our least favorite are the slashers. Like we'll watch them, but it's not something where I'm just like I gotta go. See, <laughs> I, I, I think for me, like a slasher is very much like an Agatha Christie mystery. Like, I, granted, that was more. I mean, it happened in the '80s, but you know, I think Scream is what really got me into it. Where I'm like, oh, like I want to know who the killer is. So while it's definitely easy to make a dumb slasher, which is it's just so episodic, right? Just going from kill to kill to kill to kill, but. I, I I find slashes very fun because you have the horror on top of the oh who done it the who done it mystery, whereas like with yeah. zombies I think zombies I was burned out on for a long time. Go ahead. I think the Sorry. problem is is that a lot of slashers right now aren't doing red herrings and mysteries. It's just mm-hmm. you know like as much as I love things like Happy Death Day, it's like okay there's a little bit of red herring there, but really I think the emphasis is is less on who is the killer and more like. Who will survive and what will be left of them? Uh, I would argue that that film particularly is more about that lead character's right. emotional journey, um, which. Yeah. But you're right, though. There is a trade off, though, in that. Yeah. Then the identity of the killer and the slashings themselves become a bit less important to the plot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which horror fans are going to walk into that like that wasn't very slashery. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. true. It's just Groundhog Day with you know, right. some stabbing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> some stabbing. I, I, just a little I would say I, there was a really good slasher TV show. Is it the one? Kat and I. Yeah. What was that called? It had I two don't seasons. Know. They were totally different like like arcs. But I remember one was like they were at a, like a ski resort or something. Slasher. Like it was a it's called Slasher, yeah. So yeah. There, there's actually three seasons. Um, but but the, the thing is, the first season aired on Chiller, and it wasn't very good. Um, but then Netflix picked it up for season two and three, and they just renewed it for season four, and it's yeah. going to be like people on an island. But yeah, Slasher season two and three are like really fun. I, I think it's interesting how you can adapt the Slasher genre, subgenre in the TV format, and it doesn't mm. like yeah. stretching You know what should be an 80-minute film to what, 10 episodes, 10 hours? Yep. And you still make it entertaining and like consistent and not feel like it's drawn out like that's skill to me yeah and like giving those characters depth too because like i really loved that it twisted i think that was like honestly one of the last like slasher Mm -hmm. like narratives that we truly enjoyed like we were watching i was like who's this (laughs) this guy no it's that guy what is this um 
and like being on the like we're like we gotta go watch it sit down and watch forget whatever else we're doing we're gonna finish this um and it's been a long time since like a slasher has made me feel that way right mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that's okay. a, i mean that's valid you know like i think like we said like in the 80s they were written off as just dumb entertainment which admittedly they were well, there's more to them than that as well. But yeah, it's like, I do think what's happened is people have learned from the Scream franchise and how much people connect to Sydney and Gale and Dewey. Mm-hmm. And they've realized, oh, if we make these characters better right. and richer, people will actually give a shit and then we can make some big dollars because people will come back for the sequels. Mm-hmm. So I think that's how we end up getting characters like Tree and fewer, you know, sorority row movies where people you know they're fun but it's also like okay well we'll just make these girls a bunch of bitches but that's the difference though right like scream people are coming back for sydney gale and dewey they're not coming back for Ghostface. whereas like friday 13th or nightmare on elm street they're coming back for freddy and jason not the characters which i wonder is that's why they've had difficulty with those reboots is because they continually mistake Mm -hmm. what the interest is yeah yeah, that's yeah. that's so interesting, um, and very true, very true. Because like you know, Sydney is that final girl that I just will always have a place in my heart. <laughs> it's like oh, yeah. I love her. Like there's just her like panic face and just like just can get so sad so quick, um, and it's so good. <laughs> um, one other thing I wanted to ask because. Um, I, I know Kat and I definitely hate whenever we're asked, like, what's your favorite horror movie? Because we don't really have one because mm-hmm. there's too, so hard. too much. Right? <laughs> yeah. And you're not going to like our answer. Um, but we got asked on some kind of show recently that was like, what is like your favorite subgenre? Like mm-hmm. what gets to you? Yes. <laughs> it's just like, which was the one that gets it? Because like for us, it's different. Right. And so it's like for... Um, like, yeah, what, which kind of subgenre of horror do you really just enjoy? Whether it's because it... it it really gets under your skin and you get afraid or just like that, you know, you're going to have a good time <laughs> in some way when you watch this. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, my, my go-tos for like, Oh, I need like something to like have fun and like just have a good day. It's either going to be a slasher or aquatic horror. I'm um, creature features in general are really fun for me, but I do gravitate towards the water based um, creature features. Cause I just yes. think they're really fun for what gets under my skin, like really like disturbs me. It's body horror. Like I don't, mm. I don't often put a lot of them on because it, that those are things that really like, like skin, anything like in real life, that's terrifying. And so watching it transpire on screen is just like, really like, you know, it's like when someone like, like if they, someone's like, Oh, I have scabies. And then you automatically start itching because you're like, Oh my God, do I have it too? <laughs> <laughs> so not a Cronenberg fan. Or is that? I mean, like, I, that's I am a enough. fan, but yeah, I just like I don't want to like just go put on the fly or like <laughs> yeah, or it's shivers. not his first choice. Yeah, gotcha. Whereas it is my first choice. Right. I'm I'm a huge Cronenberg fan, so I love the body horror stuff. Uh, I'm very much the same. I like uh, creature features, and I'll extend it to aquatic, but also space horror. I'm mm. liking that. And then the thing that gets under my skin is dread lately like films that are just saturated in darkness and grief and just kind of wallowing in it and it's not that it affects me but i find that it can be done badly but when it's done well those i think are some of the most iconic horror films that we've produced and filmmakers have been doing a really good job of it lately like shout out to probably my top three horror film of the year is uh dark and the wicked which is just Mm -hmm 
unbearably drenched in dread. And from the director of The Strangers, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Love yeah, I haven't strangers. seen it yet. I've seen it. It just came out. It just came out. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was in October. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe like the first week of November. So, yeah. Um, that's so funny that uh, Evil said aquatic uh, horror. That's and my then biggest space fear. Because Are those yours? <laughs> All time. Well, Kat is terrified of the ocean. Yes. And I'm terrified of space. Okay. <laughs> well, so like- Joe, Joe did a lecture actually for um, some Toronto horror series um, where yes, he, the he Black Museum. Yeah, and he basically compared though, like how aquatic horror and space horror are actually very, very similar. Um, Mm -hmm. To where, like, if you saw like the Kristen Stewart movie Underwater from earlier this year, like it's an underwater movie, but it feels very much like a space movie. Yeah, yeah, you're stuck in a thing. Mm -hmm. If that thing doesn't work, then you're done. Yeah, Yeah. because you're not supposed to be there otherwise. Yeah, (laughs) it's the terrifyingness of this environment that literally just wants to kill you. Yeah, yeah, you don't belong here. Mm-hmm. Because it, like, honestly, the xenomorph can come get me. <laughs> like, yeah, why am I here? What am I doing? You I want to be taken right? out as early as possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. I'd love to say that I would be the first to die in any horror movie because I know everything what not to do, and I would just immediately like run and fall down a chute and just get eaten or something. <laughs> yeah, I just want to click death. Like, don't uh, just like kill me immediately. I think the stress of trying to survive would like do me in. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, having a heart attack over on the back. side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you have no idea what could happen. So much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't even watch ocean films. That, like just like the fact that mm. like the documentaries that show you what is in the ocean. I'm like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. This is a horror film. What? Yep. There are bugs that eat your bones. Yep. But yeah. like, what if that was on land? Like, no. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Kat, you had such a good year this year then, too, with, like, sea fever and the beach house, like, just all of your worst fears. We're not allowed to watch the alligator one, I already know, I'm not watching that, it looks ridiculous, but terrifying. Oh, Crawl's so good! Crawl's super fine. Crawl's like a slasher film with crocodiles. With crocodiles. Yeah, it's alligators, you're right. This is Florida, right? Yeah, I. <laughs> when we did, um, we did a isolation series, um, and that's where we kind of found we were like, well, Kat already knew she was afraid of the ocean, but a part of that was covering Big Planet. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> just like terrified of this, and then uh, the zombie. I was like hyperventilating, talking about gravity because I was oh, like, mm-hmm. the whole so good. Time, I was having a panic attack. Oh yes. yeah, that whole my, movie. My, I took my husband to go see Gravity, and it was like the 3D IMAX screen, and oh, he so he did good. have a panic attack during it and like had to like look down i don't even think he remembers the movie to be honest (laughs) just blacked it out yeah especially if you have like any kind of empathy because she's like she's hyperventilating Mm -hmm. and so then i was i was like you need to calm down for us like you need to like chill out because it's not good for us right now Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like i feel i am also in space and i don't know why um it's so good uh so we don't those are what scare us like in a genuine way um but the thrill way uh for me is found footage i Mm. love found footage horror um specifically and just like if you give me an excuse for a camera to be there i will wholeheartedly believe it i'm like okay yeah Yeah. it's real now and all this is real i believe you disbelief suspended But it's so real now, too, right? Like, we do live in a world where people will film anything and everything about their lives. So for me, whenever people talk about, oh, found footage, it's so unbelievable. They'd put the camera down. You're like, I have seen people hold the camera 
in the dumbest of situations. Like, <laughs> you should be running, you should not be photographing this, and yet there you are, camera in hand. <laughs> mm. Yes, so true. Um, yeah, and it's cameras are everywhere now. Yep. And so it's like you could just get really creative. Um, I'm pretty excited for that. I mean, host was fun. No, that, that, that's I, – I, I've, I've told this to Joe th- countless times. Like, found footage is a really easy subgenre to – fuck up but yep. it's all and it's really hard to do well but when it is done well it's like really exceptional good. yeah mm-hmm. yes. and cheap budget Roy generally well i think because people that are doing found footage are like oh this is easy like i can be yeah. i can make it like i can make a shitty film because it's someone holding a camera i mean that's not that's not the, how you need to go into that with yeah, yeah. I actually, you gotta get creative. I actually think though that you can expand that out to a lot of horror in general because you can do it on the cheap. Like you can be an amateur filmmaker and make a horror film because you just think, okay, I need bodies, I need frights, and right. for me, that's another reason why people tend to dismiss the genres because you can make it for so cheap that we get this influx every fucking year, right? But if you notice we always end up gravitating to like certain types of films and it's like they're done well Dep- it mm-hmm. they may be in completely different subgenres they might be found footage they might be space but the films that do it well end up being these films that live on in perpetuity or end up on the best of lists and those kinds of things yeah cuz they're intentional mm-hmm. like, intentional horror is what sticks with people and you're like oh, this is somehow connecting to the core of my fear and not just, like, this superficial, like... like Because I love jump scares. I get, mm-hmm. Like, if you can if you get genuinely... If you can get me, me, then you earned it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, yes. Um, and there is a thrill to that. But I... I, there's something about, like you were saying, like with dread horror, like those, those tales that like just stick with you mentally. Like I would say, like, I understand people not liking Hereditary, yeah. but I can still like hear yeah. like, the scream mm-hmm. of that mother. Like, and I can see that scene like yeah. for forever, for the rest of my life. <laughs> like we'll never be able to let that go. The same, I mean, like we didn't love Midsummer. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's definitely not one of our favorites for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, Upon review, it's not our least favorite either. Okay, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's that, still mine, but yes. That, that, <laughs> contracted is our least. That, favorite. Oh, that's fair. Oh, oh contracted oh, sucks. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I mean Joe, you might have felt similarly, but I felt that way about the lodge this year, where like we saw the yeah. lodge, and I was like. I didn't really like that much. And granted, yeah. it sat with me. Like, it stuck with me for a long time. And I do want to watch it again, like, on its own terms, knowing what it is. But I'm also, like, not in a rush to, like, dive back in and go watch The Lodge again. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough, right? Yeah. Because we recognize that those films are really well made. They have a very clear sense of purpose. It's always so confusing, especially when you watch a lot of horror films and you think, this should be my bag. And I don't understand. Why is this not working for me? Oh, God, am I ruined? Oh, God. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so true yeah we because we definitely went into midsummer like okay this is gonna be good like you know we had enjoyed hereditary or at least like got something out of it right. and we were so disappointed and so upset like we were very viscerally upset by it because of some of the um just disservices to, to specific communities mm-hmm. and we were just like don't do that to us right at the beginning right and ruin mm. our entire emotion um but there are parts of the that film that do stick with you in just like that agony mm-hmm. that these characters have and the actors being so phenomenal so there's like some credit that we can give to that yeah. and i think it's like finding those little like 
buckets of joy or buckets of sorrow, I guess. Yeah. Uh, in, in horror that you can, like, cling to and be like, this is why. I think that's what determines, though, what kind of a film watcher you are, be it, like, just an average viewer or even a critic, you know? Like, looking for the positive. Like, yes, y- y'all found things you didn't like in that movie because it, it's like you can't find things not to like. That that's just part of the world and part of art in general. But when you were still able to, like, despite maybe something that gave you a visceral reaction like that, but you can still find something or some things in it that you do like. Say, you know, I feel this way about this movie, and it I don't like it. I hate it. But that being said, this part did work for me, you know? Yeah. 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 I think it's also the benefit of being part of like a podcast or having somebody else is that you're made to actually explain yourself and start to think through why things do and don't work. Like one of the joys of doing the podcast with Trace is that we've had so many opportunities to change each other's minds. Like we Mm -hmm. have this infamous Patreon episode about Dr. Sleep where we get so fucking mad at each other because I (laughs) really didn't like it. And Trace fucking loved it. And we just like rip at each other for 50 minutes (laughs) And I, I really came to appreciate the things that work for other people. It didn't work for me, but, you know, and it's one of those things where, again, like, I think, okay, I should go back and rewatch the film on its own terms and maybe watch the director's cut and see, like, what's missing. But I, I love the conversations that can come out of films, even films that we don't find as successful as other mm. people do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's also, like, we been we've been doing this for three years with the ghouls and so like you know we always talk about putting our media analysis glasses on yeah i was like i think over these like three like i don't know if i've ever been able to take it off now like no matter what i'm watching i'm just like always like watching it watching it and i feel like i was like it's not that i'm not enjoying these things no yeah it feels surreal to to remember a time when I was like just just casually watching, watching. <laughs> you know I, I experienced that at film festivals though because usually like I split film festival coverage duties with like someone else with Bloody Disgusting and so like I'm like okay when I'm walking into a film that I have to review I'm like okay cool I've got to like I mean, I am, like, in a mode here. But when I can just, like, when I'm not reviewing a film, I'm like, oh, it's, like, it's like a break almost. Like, even though, like, you, you're right, I mean, I'm, I'm still watching it with a critical eye, but it's, like, my brain, like, relaxes a little bit. Yeah, give me an alcoholic milkshake. I'm just going to enjoy this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I think, um, yeah, there's a few times when I can just watch a horror movie because I wanted to and not because it's for the show. Like, it's not our mm-hmm. homework. Like, I made myself, um, I watched Wounds. Oh, I did too, actually. (laughs) And I was, like, very disappointed. But it was on my list for so long where I was, like, I I was, like, that's it. I was, like, I don't have any reason for it to, like, go into the ghouls right now. Like, but whatever. And I was, like, you know what? I'm going to watch it by myself. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to, like, sit here and treat myself to a film, (laughs) whether I'm going to like it or not. Um, And at the end, I was just, like, I'm so glad I did that. No. (laughs) The problem with that movie is when it ends, like, that's when it starts to get good. But (laughs) it just ends. Oh, credits. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Thanks. <laughs> it's like, okay, hour and a half for what now? What we're mm-hmm. doing? Um, this guy just driving around town? <laughs> being awful. Being angry. Yeah. <laughs> just being angry, white dude. Like, I was like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Um, yes, absolutely. Uh, I Because we're, we're running to the end of yeah. this 
episode. Um, so it'll probably be like our crash course in She Dies Tomorrow. But we did watch something, um, and you all suggested She Dies Tomorrow. Um, so the brief synopsis that Kat found for this is Amy thinks she's dying tomorrow, and it's contagious. I am um, <laughs> I'm TV. Uh, I love their descriptions because they're very, very like six like, So, <laughs> yeah. Right, y'all said y'all had thoughts on this. Yeah. What, what, what did you think? What did you think? It was a time. Yeah. To say the least. Uh, I the beginning. It was kind of slow for us mm-hmm. to get in here. It was a lot of confusion of the very, very beginning of. You know, yeah. What is happening? Um, what are the time periods? Are we jumping back and forth? I'm very confused. Whatever. Who is this? Why? Um, listening to Mozart over and over again. Oh my god, I love that. <laughs> I think it happens like six. No, it is. It is six. I clocked it. Sixteen minutes of watching this woman just be depressed. Yeah, like yeah. it is sixteen minutes of an eighty-four minute movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and it definitely feels. I felt every minute yeah. of the sixteen mm-hmm. minutes, um, and it, getting to like the the strobe light. It, it's it got interesting to me when the friends mm-hmm. like went home and then it kind of clicks and I was yeah. like yeah because it's not just about aliens? one person right yeah and all of a sudden you're wondering like yeah. so is it contagious is it in their mind is it something larger like and you you constantly keep wondering okay are we going to get answers and I feel like about nope. yeah like maybe 20 to Never 25 minutes answers. in you're like oh this is going to be one of those movies where but, it's going to be whatever you think it is but then it's also darkly comedic like whenever so Katie Adelson and Chris Messina like go and like hug their daughter and she's like are you drunk yes like <laughs> it, it, but, but it, it, it's so timely because it basically is a pandemic movie but then yeah. it's also like a metaphor for depression and anxiety and mm-hmm. what I love about like even how it ends where it's like oh like nothing gets solved because unfortunately like depression anxiety and mental illness isn't something that can just be solved like you can take medication for it but it's still a daily struggle that's going to keep continuing. And this movie is like the embodiment of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like how the different yeah. people cope with that, like mm-hmm. their different yeah. ways of kind of dealing with like where their like safe areas are. Like the fact that the friend is like, I need to be with someone right yes. now. Yes. Like, I am so aware of how alone I am. And then like the family, like them like gravitating towards their daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the scene where she's at the, the friends at the doctor. Oh yeah. He's like, I just, can you hum for me? And then it's like this whole weird thing. And I was just like, like that was very comedic to me, but also I was, just, I was like, now I was like, it's a hundred percent weird. Like, yes. <laughs> it's going to be like, this. I think that's right. I mean, like, it's all very awkward. I mean, I would even go as far to say sometimes even cringy, but I think it's also because of that's like, we're, we're basically forced to watch these people in depressive states. And that's not something that really gets shown a lot or that people want to talk about a lot. So it's almost like opening this conversation up through the lens of a genre film, which is why I like, I mean, it's not something that I want to like, I'm not going to go back and like just watch she dies tomorrow all the time because it's, just, it's, it's 84 <laughs> minutes, but it feels probably about two and a half hours long. And yeah. that's, it's a lot. No, Normally, that's a critique for me. I actually like this a lot more than I thought I would because I knew going in, oh, it's going to be like an art house film. Make of that what you will. It's prestige. Um, it's elevated. So I had to like, I had, I had to like adjust my brain. Okay, this is what I'm going to get. But I and I was like, I'm, this is probably going to be one of those three star films. Where I'm like, oh, I see why people like it, but it's not really for me. I actually did really, really, and, and this is my second time seeing this. Um, I, I still really enjoyed it, but I do, you do feel that runtime because it's just people being depressed yeah. for eighty yeah. minutes. <laughs> Yeah, this to me actually feels like a good example of a dread film, but it's not 
trying to make you feel like, oh, there's something malicious happening. It's more just exposing the fragility of how we feel when we realize our own mortality. And like, Mm -hmm. I don't know about you folks, but I spent a fair amount of this runtime sympathizing and empathizing with these people, but also being like, what would I do if those lights just hit me and I realize I've got a couple of hours left? Like, it's so good for putting you into that mind space. Even, like, bringing out people's true colors. Like, whenever the guy, like, euthanizes his dad and his girlfriend's like, I was waiting for him to die so I could break up with you. I mean, I was going to wait, like, three months, you know, to not be an asshole about it. But I'm like, that's also, like, I I think it's very refreshing. Oh, I'm going to die tomorrow, so I might as well just fucking get it all out there, right? Yeah. Yeah, And I love how she laughs on the phone while he's, like, freaking out uh, Mm -hmm. when they first realize what's happening. Like, just the, the gamut of reactions is fascinating to me. Yeah, that whole conversation about the dolphins. Oh. <laughs> and it's like, and it goes on for so long. And she's like, I just want to talk about dolphins fucking. Yeah. <laughs> Which, like, it, 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 it might, some of my watches would be like, this is weird, this is out of place. But I'm also like, yeah, but you know what, though? I've been to like a oh, friendly gathering that like that. Yeah, where we get like into this yeah. stupid conversation about some random, be it sex or just some stupid innocuous thing. But granted, I can see what if you're a movie watcher, you're like, oh, this isn't like, I don't want, this is too real and it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and that's something that you definitely have to grapple with, I think, in a film like this. Yeah. Kat, when, so we were watching like remotely mm-hmm. and we like chat with each other as it's going. And she brought up that it, to her, it was similar to Melancholia. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's very Melancholia. I mean, it's almost like it's very, very like a twin film to it in that like we are talking about depression and also just like accepting what everything is. Yeah. Like just being like, yeah, this is how it is. I'm not going to put any effort into it because we only have so much time. You know, like, yeah. The funny yeah. thing is, too, that Melancholia is a two and a half hour movie. Yeah. I genuinely love Melancholia. Oh, I do, too. It's great. Yeah, it's definitely what, like I forced Kat to watch it, and had we had like a whole like our, our apocalypse series, and it was like our cosmic one. We ended with it, which was like the most depressing of all of the mm-hmm. apocalypses. You really built it. So, Kat, 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 though. So, are you are you pro melancholia, or are you like yeah, yeah I, not for me? I get it. Yeah, I definitely get it. <laughs> oh, so diplomatic. Um, <laughs> and it's like it was just like so sad, and I was yeah. just like, oh. this is it. What I want to feel ever. <laughs> this is awful. Yeah. And it's, I feel like so much of socialize, like I'm an introvert at my core. So mm-hmm. like so much of socializing is putting on those airs. It's like putting on mm-hmm. that yeah. like persona where you have to put so much effort into like making sure you're nice to everybody and making sure like, and then like if all gloves are off, all be- like it's just the end. It's like, I don't even know what society would be. I imagine it'd be very reminiscent of like assassination nation, but without a goal. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So like everything is just, I hate you. (laughs) We're fighting. If there's no goal, then there's no point to life. That's why religion exists, right? Is to give us something to like go to aim for in our afterlives. And yeah, I think you're right though. You know, it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to feel this way, but both melancholia and she dies tomorrow it's kind of making you feel like oh like it again it's i wouldn't call them horror films but they're definitely under that genre umbrella because yeah. it is scary it is a scary yeah. thought and that the at least melancholia and maybe she dies tomorrow can make you feel that way make you feel like you're in these characters headspace that is powerful to me and whether mm-hmm. or not like i mean yeah again yeah. i don't enjoy watching it <laughs> <laughs> but i appreciate it 
I think what I love, yeah. though, is the the elegant simplicity of She Dies Tomorrow. Like, this movie was obviously made on just a shoestring budget. $10. Amy Simons clearly phoned in. Like, she went through her Rolodex and said, who are all my famous friends? They're going to come and act for free in this movie. It's not <laughs> fancy. And yet, it's so effective. And I really love yeah. that because I do, again, think it shows the power of genre filmmaking, which is like you can get to these really like heady topics and really touch people emotionally, but you don't need a hundred million dollars and like an FX budget that's out the wazoo. It feels like a stage play almost. That's, that, that's right. how I feel about She Dies Tomorrow. Like it's very mm -hmm. stagey. Yeah. But not in a bad yeah. way. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I think it to me it felt very like therapeutic, mm -hmm. and cathartic to like kind of walk through those. Like even at the like at the end that night after I watched it, I like turned to my partner and I was like, "What would you do?" <laughs> yeah. I, said, I was gonna die tomorrow. Like what? <laughs> like how do we yeah. deal with this? Um, and it was like a genuine conversation. Mm -hmm. um, we do a lot of weird what ifs, so he was fine with it. But it was it was very much just like a. <laughs> like what do we do mm -hmm. yeah. when we're dealing with with like our impending doom or just like the fact that you know we are mortal and is our life meaningless like does yeah. any of this matter Th that's yeah. the ultimate scare I think right like what if life has no purpose what if life is meaningless like and I think that's something that Again, because that's why we have religion, but like that that's what's scary. Like what if that was true? What if we just cease to exist after we die? That's it. Yeah. See, I yeah. don't look at it as religion. I just look at it as podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Kat, what, are, what about you? What were some of your thoughts for the film? I really, I did like it. I don't want anyone to think I didn't like it. I thought it was really cool. It's, it was beautifully done. It's okay done. if you didn't, just so you know. <laughs> it was it's just okay definitely just like... like <laughs> it was just like very... It does a very good job at making you feel like that dread. And it was also just like... I, I just find it so stressful when the gloves are off and those kinds mm -hmm. of things because it's like you work so hard to understand what human interaction expectations are like when you're not good at it. So it's mm -hmm. like when that no longer is a thing, it's like all my studying is over. Like, what was it for? <laughs> Everyone's yeah. just going to say exactly how they feel. What do we do now? Um, <laughs> and I definitely thought that was really stressful. The only part of the movie that genuinely confused me to no end was the part where the one friend who does the things with the petri dishes yeah, yeah. is suddenly just like in a different place with a pool and everyone oh. else there is like, I'm there too. And it's like, what? So <laughs> I, I, I took that as a, because she, she's clearly lost it because she's like talking to the bacteria in her Petri dish as, as friends to like cope with this. Yeah. And so she just okay. wanders around. Like we, we don't know why she's bleeding. Like we don't know what she did to uh, herself. No, it's her it brother like and there, her stepsister like... stabbed her. Oh, okay. Got it. Sorry. Um, but she walks into... They did say they had to do something. Yeah. She walks into a stranger's house, and it's Michelle Rodriguez and some other girl. Yeah. But I actually like that we end with them as, like, b the, the, before we get the ending with the main the main girl, um, where she goes to, like, be like, okay, can you turn my skin into leather? Um, yeah. But it's almost like there's, like, the way Michelle Rodriguez and her roommate slash partner, we don't know, um, they're, like, almost, like, content with everything, right? Yeah. Like, they're the ones that are, like... We're fine. We're going to die. We're just going to enjoy this day of existence that we have. And I think that's a really good way. That, I think it's smart that Simons chose to make that the kind of like last little episode that we're seeing. 
I think it's also yeah. a, a nice counterpoint, right? We've seen people really grappling with it and getting emotional and getting vengeful and weepy. And this is people who are like, oh, if I found out, I would be okay with that. I mean, I also mm. think they're on drugs, but... Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but also that shot, though, when Jane Addams is in the pool and like, you just see the blood as they're just saying, it's like, it's so a pretty yeah. shot. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. the other actor in that is the girl from The Magicians. Yes, you're right. Oh, yes. that's I why she I looks familiar. Some, yeah, I was like, oh, there's... Uh, yeah, and I was, like, excited to see her because I was looking up actors. Um, mostly because the main actor, her speech delivery and this is probably because i had just watched wounds but reminded me of dakota oh uh, i can see that. that she was like that deadpan like, mm-hmm. so yeah i I kept trying to figure out what I knew her from because she looked so familiar to me and it was she's the opening she's one of the opening people in your next um oh right oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah oh yeah. i watched that recently i'm surprised i didn't catch that I mean, okay. I, again, this, I didn't catch until my second viewing of this movie, but I had to like look it up, and I was like, oh, because they're all in that same family, that mumblecore yeah, horror the mumblecore family. family. Sacrament yeah. and VHS as well. Yeah, she, and she is in the sacrament. Yeah, exactly. She's in the Ty West segment of VHS, which would make sense as to why she's in the sacrament. <laughs> awesome. Got you. Uh, yeah, it was, I, I definitely think it's worth a watch for, for listeners. Um Totally different from mm-hmm. our film we watched with Zena, which was The Spell from 1977. Oh, <laughs> 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 this is like exciting because it's like, it's like whiplash. <laughs> I was like, what are we going to watch with you know, these people? And it's, I, it's honestly super fun because it's like, I don't think, I don't know if we would have found She Dies Tomorrow or like given it a try. Mm-hmm. Um, without this so thank yep. you good <laughs> okay yeah so it's good super great um, <laughs> yeah it was cool so, <laughs> with our uh, cat do you have any last questions for our friends uh it's okay if the answer's no <laughs> yeah I, I guess i could come up with one uh what are you excited for going into 2021 i guess if there's like anything I don't know, man. I hope we. I hope I get to see the new Saw movie and the new Halloween movie. Like, (laughs) I don't care if it's in a theater or if it's on streaming. Like, I just want to see like something. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I would echo that, except I'll swap out Halloween because who could give a fucking for Candyman? I'll swap it. Yeah, swap it out for Candyman. That was my most anticipated film of this year, and I so desperately wanted to see it. Yes, I'm right there with you. I'm yeah. We had it like on our list. We kept pushing. We keep pushing our list yep, back for yep. uh, doing like black horror because we're just like no, no. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you want to build we, that centerpiece around it because it's it is going to be a game changer. We were gonna do Candyman two when Candyman came out, and finally after it got pushed again, we were like, fuck it, we'll just do Candyman two. Let's just do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. We covered uh, the original Candyman to in preparation and then it got us even more excited yeah like what yeah if people were intentional <laughs> could have like even more intentional right? what if like, the film yeah. wasn't partially problematic <laughs> yeah, what if like we didn't have to make excuses for it <laughs> yeah so true um so for our listeners uh let's remind them where they can find you i have a little your little twitter at oh wow <laughs> As well as your personal Twitters, putting it out there. So for listeners, you can get Trace Thurman and B stole my remote. That that is a fancy ass video tool. I mean, I'm sure it's probably not fancy for you, but I'm like boggled right here. Ooh, technology. Uh, there's so much of this. Here. Very exciting. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, but uh, where can they find some of the things that you've written and and you know? Yeah. 
Um, and you, you can find a lot of my writing on Bloody Disgusting. I've written for Consequence of Sound a few times. I even reviewed Midsummer for them, but I gave it a very good score. <laughs> it's true. Okay. I got like 3,000 retweets or something. Oh, yeah. Um, but then, yeah, mostly Bloody Disgusting. But obviously, since Joe and I have really gotten like, like, we're, we're, we're pretty busy with the podcast, so I actually don't write as much anymore. But, you know, go find me on the socials at that screen name. So, <laughs> Right. And uh, I also write for Bloody and Consequence of Sound, occasionally that, sh- that shelf. And I also have my own uh, website called QueerHorrorMovies.com. Nice. I... That sounds very familiar and probably where I found some of the suggestions for December. Oh, <laughs> oh nice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, thank you both so much for joining us and uh, geeking out with us about horror and what we love about it. It's always exciting. This has been such a great like series. Um, yeah, it's refreshing to kind of like hear other people that love it and understand mm-hmm. um, how important horror is yes. and, and what it could do. Um, and it's like, oh, we're not alone because sometimes I feel <laughs> it's like validating. we're on this little island. Yeah, you're having the conversations with the two of you, and you're like, is anybody else out here? <laughs> I, I, I'm glad you said that. I, I, I understand that feeling perfectly. Like, it's it's very, very true. Yes. Um, but, yes. <laughs> Thanks so much. Uh, and, and listeners, make sure you check out Horror Queers. Um, and, yeah. Yeah. Cat. Don't get married. <laughs> Don't get married. Like, <laughs> 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 like, what? Bye. Mm. <laughs>